Hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast, a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectine, and starting today, the Golden Hurricast is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. Stay golden. Hurricane. Okay, here we are. And like Matt mentioned, uh, and as we mentioned at the end of last week, we are switching to a 30-minute format, uh, or we're going to try it out at least and see how it goes. So this is the first one of those. Uh, We also had an interview with Jeremy Poplin this week. Obviously, um, it's going to be tougher to stick interviews into a certain time frame, especially when things are going really well in in the interview. And we were really having an awesome time talking with Jeremy. So that one and probably most interviews that we do will be more than 30 minutes. But for our standard kind of standard issue episodes like this, we'll try to stick to 30 minutes as best we can. Um, or hopefully always, because in the uh, intro there, we said never longer than 30 minutes. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how long we can stick to that. Um, but uh, that being said, let's get started with this week. Um, we had one game. We were supposed to have two. Uh, we were supposed to play South Florida and Central Florida, both the Florida American Conference teams. We played one of them. It was USF and won that game by 10, right? So basketball moves to 7-3 and three overall and 4-1 and one in the American. They also rise from 80 last week to number 73 in Ken Palm. And this is just an ex- a continuation of the hot streak that we've been on. We're on a six-game win streak, or maybe it's seven now. I can't remember. I think it's, I think it's six. six. Yeah, it has to be six, right, because we were one and three to start the year. Um, to kind of reiterate on some stuff here, Tulsa basketball was picked sixth in the American preseason, and they've already beaten four of the five teams that were picked ahead of them. They've beaten Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, and USF. USF was picked fifth. Uh, SMU is the only one picked above us that we haven't beaten yet, and that's only because we haven't played them yet. And that is a dominant statistic. In addition to that, not one of those teams has scored more than 66 points against us, and those teams combined um, – actually, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, uh, are, are shooting 32% around from the field, which is incredible defensively. This team keeps impressing, man. It's like – these guys, the defense plays so hard. We're such a tough, hard-nosed team on the offense and defense, and we travel really well because of that. A lot of times you play well at home, and this has been the case for a lot of the past uh, teams that have been pretty solid. Um, not that great on the road, and that's kind of consistent for college basketball in general, but if you want to be a good team in the American or a good team in college basketball at all uh, that makes the NCAA tournament, you got to go and get these road Ws, and they have absolutely been doing that recently, man. It's, it's awesome. South Florida is just the latest – in the streak of them. Um, but man, after starting one and three, we're now seven and three, four and one in the American and beating a bunch of good teams. So I am, I am feeling good about the basketball team so far. Yeah. And just to, like our defense has just been, I mean, I feel like, especially with the successful Frank Haith teams that he's had at TU, it's been a lot of been uh, like defensive strong, mm-hmm. defensively strong is probably a better way to say that. <laughs> yeah. And like last year, if you if anybody remembers, I wrote that article for the blog just talking about how our three point defense was historic, mm-hmm. and this season it's again looking like me not quite as uh, insane as it was last season, but holding people well 
under the D1 average, both in 3.2 point and somehow free throw. Not that that really you have anything to do with that, but <laughs> the teams are shooting 60% from the line against us. It's wild. It's the mentality. They're scaring them out there or something. I don't know what it is, uh, but it's true. The defense has been awesome. And like just kind of talking about the USF game specifically here, uh, early in that game, the Bulls were three for 21 in, in shots, uh, just field goals from the floor. And that was incredible. Just kind of sticking on defense for a second here. David Collins, everyone, if you follow the American, you probably know his name. USF's best player for like three years now. Um, he is a senior. He had no points that game. No points in the first half, no points again in the second half. He was kind of plagued by uh, some fouls all game, and he was out for chunks of time. But still, to hold David Collins to zero points, and he only shot the ball one time, clearly we had a game plan out there to limit as him as much as possible. And you can't do any better than we did against him. Zero points, 0 for 1. Um, also, Alexis Yetna, only four points that game. And then uh, let me find his name here because I forgot it. It, ah, Justin Brown, uh, the senior, South Florida guard, uh, 0 for 10 from the field, 0 for 9 from the three-point line. So those are some of their like big leaders on their on their team and totally shut them down. The other guy who was a big leader for them that we didn't quite shut down as much and a guy who is going to be a thorn in our sides, I think, for the next four years because he's a freshman, Caleb Murphy, a uh, little freshman guard. That guy can ball. You can tell out there he is a stud. I think he's already won the American Conference Player of the Week uh, twice, at least once. I think twice, and you can you can see why. Like he is clearly their one of their best players. Him and him and David Collins, I'd say. But they have that's a talented South Florida team. Uh, you know they had that Castaneda guy doing well against us. This Jameer Chaplin, who I never heard of, all of a sudden had like twelve points against us. Uh, so they've got they've got some ballers. But man, like the guys we needed to shut down, David Collins, Alexis Yetna, um, absolutely put it to them and they they had nothing to show for it we also out rebounded them and they're one of the best rebounding teams in the in the in the con in the country and in the conference um some kind of notes to to put on that game uh the we won 61 to 51 right 10 point win uh previously we were leading that series nine to nothing we had literally never lost to south florida in basketball and that streak continues uh, so that is uh that's kind of one that is surprising and very cool um and on the offensive end it was it was a similar similar thing right just hard-working hard-nosed guys playing great and kind of senior led again this game elijah joiner um hitting threes early uh hit a lot of them he had 11 in the first half i think and of course, like Brandon Rochelle, um, doing what he does pretty much every game, diving on the floor. I remember one play in particular that stood out to me. I think like one of the coolest plays of the game that shows you just like how tough and hard nosed our team is. Um, Rochelle and Darian Jackson had a play in the second half. Uh, it was, we were on offense. Somebody had shot and missed. The ball was about to go out of bounds for South Florida. Rochelle dives gets the rebound before it hits goes out of bounds just like throws it up you know kind of behind him to save the save the ball and it just hits like a south florida guy in the back of the leg real quick like kind of near the three-point line and the guy turns around and bends down to get it before he can get it darian jackson also dives on the floor saves the ball as it's rolling around and then he calls timeout right it was like the epitome and so we, we kept the ball and that stuff is like you don't you don't you can't you can try to teach that and teams do, but you got to have the the killer instinct mentality, especially on the road, 
to go dive for that ball. You're going to go win that ball, win that drive, win that series on offense. And this team, man, they, of any team that I've seen, I think, uh, since, you know, coming to TU in 2013, they seem like the, the kind of grittiest, like just dirty, not dirty as in like, you know, they, they play dirty, but nose to the ground, they're going to get it done and work outwork you on offense and on defense. And that is like the name of the game for Brandon Rochelle and Darian Jackson, Elijah Joyner. They're in your face. They're hyped up. They're ready to go. And that is tough to play against week in and week out. Houston saw it, obviously. Cincinnati saw it. South Florida saw it. These teams. And it's just going to get better and better as the season goes on, I think. All this positivity, even with the guys that you would think, you know, coming into the year, who would you think, who would you have said would be our leading three point shooters? Mm, I'd probably go Embry Simpson and Curtis Haywood. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. That's kind of what probably most people would say. And, and those guys, uh, you know, Curtis Haywood is shooting 22% and Keyshawn Embry Simpson, 26%, you know, and we're still beating these teams with largely, you know, some of our, probably our best potential shooters being some of our worst three point percentage shooting guys right now. And that is, and we're still seven and three and four and one in the conference. That is hugely positive. If those guys wake up and I know they're going to, they, we know they have the talent um, that is a dangerous looking team, right? So man, that gets me, that gets me very excited for the future. This is a huge week. If they can do it this week, that would be a great time for them to get going. I know Curtis Haywood certainly has shown it, um, in, in recent games. He didn't play a great game this last game. Um, but I think he certainly got the capability of getting it done again. Just a fun note. I was looking at like the, uh, who is, who is leading us in three point shooting, and number one at the top of the list, and if, if you've already looked it up, don't answer. But who do you think is number one? Um. Okay. If I had to guess, I would say maybe. Oh, it's either Rochelle or Austin Ritchie. So you're you're mostly right, but there is a little stipulation here, which is why I said if you've looked it up already, don't don't answer because it's Ryan Gendron with one for one. He is 100% from the three point line so far. Uh, so he is actually number one. Number two is Peyton Urbanchic, who is like two for five or something. So he's at like whatever that is. Uh, mm. Was that 40%? And, um, but right behind him is uh, are, are basically the guys you said. So Austin Rishi is at 35.4%. Um, actually second on the team is Elijah Joyner, which I never would have guessed, at 36.4%. Wow. And then number one is Rochelle, right at knocking on the door of 40%, 39.5, which also is somewhat surprising but you could tell like some of the also something we haven't really talked about on the show uh this year is Rochelle's three-point shooting we've talked about it a little bit and because like early in the year that guy was putting up shots like threes like a lot and we you know you could and he wasn't hitting them early and now he kind of is obviously he's at 40 percent but early in the season we were like man this guy is shooting a lot of threes what is going on he must have been working on him a ton over the summer and you could you can now see the payoff of that because he's actually making them and I yeah, feel like at LS, LSU, he shot a single three for <laughs> any, or he made a single three of his five that he shot. Uh, then last year, he was like, what, a 24, 25% from three, and now he's almost 40. Yeah. Like, that is a huge <laughs> jump. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like it's weird. You know, I thinking about it now, I'm like, man, maybe I should have seen this coming with how often he was shooting. Because last year, I don't know. I don't know if the numbers would back me up, but it certainly didn't seem like he was shooting nearly as much from the three point line. And this year he's shooting, he shot way more at the beginning. And so you got to think his confidence in his three is way up. They weren't getting knocked down. 
And so I was like, you know, my mentality is, oh, he's got to stop shooting those, right? But obviously I am not the basketball coach for a reason. Frank Haith knows what's going on in practice and how hard he's been working on it. He's letting him shoot them. And now we're starting to see the payoff from that. So there you go. There's uh, something to be yeah, said he, for people he's, who are actually watching. He's almost doubled his rate. Like last year he was shooting like 2.2, 2.1 a game. He had 65 total shots on 30 games played. And he's already got 36 on nine. So he's shooting <laughs> yeah. four. He's attempting on average four a game. Yeah, so that is that is super exciting. Um, he if he can be a three a consistent three point shooter like it looks like he likely is going to be this year. Him plus if Keyshawn Embry Simpson Curtis Haywood get it going, if Elijah Joyner can stay where he's at, that is a that is a dangerous 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 team right there that could I think make a really deep run in the NCAA tournament for real. And then you mentioned Austin Ritchie, you know when you were guessing who is going to be top three point shooter, he's up there. Like I said, I think he's third on the team in terms of percentage of guys that actually like shoot it a lot. And that guy has also kind of really come up in the recent games. So man, all of a sudden we're looking at a, a nine deep roster, basically like six, five or six of which can really hit a three uh, pretty consistently. So that is, that's pretty crazy to think about. Cause that has not been the case in recent years. We do yeah, need it, to actually see Embry and Haywood step up and start doing that though. And so just one last quick point on uh, Rochelle, just to, since he's been so good if you look ken palm breaks down like stats on conference national like overall conference only tier a b tier a and it's like as you go tier a and b his stats are better than his just baseline and then tier a like this is a guy who gets better when he's put in uh spotlight situations Mm -hmm. so i mean that's just incredible it's like it's clutch city man this team is like like i said earlier the killer instinct they absolutely have it they want you you can see it in their eyes when they're playing you know see it in their eyes whatever a vague term but you can tell when they're on the road especially on the road they they are out there playing hard like they they are on a mission to go win this game and like especially the guys who stand out in my mind are those three that i mentioned earlier brandon rochelle darian jackson and elijah joiner those guys have been in some battles and they know what it's like to win on the road and they they're out there and they they play hard enough to where even if their shots aren't falling they're impacting the game in so many different ways uh in terms of like attitude on the team emotion level on the team uh excitement on the team defensive ability it it goes down the line between all three of them and with them all being older guys you know senior leaders on the team that is huge i I heard frank say something this week um it was like when you're when your seniors, when your older guys are your best leaders, that's when you have the possibility to be a special team. And that's, I think that's so true, right? Because early on, even when Elijah Joyner was a sophomore, he, he was like a vocal leader on the team, but he wasn't one of the better players as a sophomore. I mean, he was good, don't get me wrong, uh, behind Sterling Taplin for a while, but um, he was still, even as a backup, he was still a, a vocal leader out there on the floor, so obviously. And now he's one of the best players on the team and a leader. And you've got Brayden Rochelle and Darian Jackson also as leaders on that team. I mean, it's a good squad this year, and it just keeps looking better. So I'm pretty psyched. Uh, some final notes on the game uh, before we move to next week, what we got going on. Um, we had uh, – there was kind of a dunk show at the end, which was kind of exciting, and I felt like I had to bring that up. But we had two kind of huge dunks right at the end there. Uh, big windmill, like double clutch windmill dunk from Brandon Rochelle on a fast break. And then just like three possessions later, uh, big time breakaway, big dunk from Darian Jackson. And got to love that stuff. Always, always very nice. Another like little note um, that I noticed during the game that I feel like is also different from last year 
our off-ball movement, we have complained about that on the show in past seasons, like how, how much we do not move uh, when for our off-ball guys. And, you know, small sample size so far this year, and I particularly was watching for this against South Florida, so I'll continue to watch for it in, in future games. But compared to South Florida and compared to past seasons, we move off the ball so much better than last year and particularly so much better than USF did against us. There were so many times where USF – was just totally stagnant on offense. They would just sit there and wait for Collins or Caleb Murphy or somebody to make something happen. Whereas when we've got the ball, everybody's moving basically all the time. And that is something that maybe it's just early season and it's just, I, I'm just noticing it early and it'll fade off. Um, but it's much better than it has been in the past, at least in my uh, small point of view. So hopefully that continues. All right, so let's move into next week. Um, We've got two games next week. We've played both of these teams already, so we'll see some repeats here. Uh, But we've got Wichita State, the Shockers, playing them on Wednesday the 13th. And then we have Memphis again playing them on the 17th. So Wichita is – actually, let me – do you have these games up? Which one is at home and away? I keep forgetting to write this down. Wichita is away. Memphis is at home. Okay, Wichita away, Memphis home, sweet. So let's start with Wichita. Um, Wednesday again, the 13th, they, they are 6-3, and 2-1 two and one in conference. We lost to them in our previous game. You'll probably remember 69-65. to 65. Uh, Wichita is number 83 in Ken Palm. They smoked us. Uh, they didn't smoke us, but we got smoked particularly by two guys um, on their team. Freshman Ricky Council, a huge surprise. I had never heard of that guy. Um, he... Really, he, I think he had like 14, 15 points against us. It seemed like every time they needed a big shot, he was the one that hit it. And if it wasn't him, it was the other guy I'm going to mention here, which was Altari Gilbert, which I know Tulsa fans are familiar with because he transferred from UConn and has clearly been one of their best players. I think he leads them in assists and steals. Um, they, When we played him the first time, right, we shot 25% from the three-point three line against them. That needs to improve. I mean, they are a good team. We need to – it would be great to go one-and-one one against them. We already lost the first one. Got to pick up the second one. 25% from three is not going to probably get that done. It could. You know, we only lost by four last time, but improvements obviously would be better. Uh, we also got beat on the boards by them. They out-rebounded us 42-37 to 37 in the first game. So something to keep an eye on there. Again, their leading scorer is Tyson Etienne on the season. Um, and they are looking good, man. They are, I think they're going to finish on the top three, probably top three or four in the American. Um, I really like their team. Like they just beat Old Miss uh, on the road. Old Miss is number 53 in Ken Palm. That's a tier A win for them. They just can't, they're coming off a road loss uh, to Houston and they play Cincinnati like right now. I think the game started at 3.30 and is 3.44 as we are recording here. Um, so definitely one to watch is is the results of that game because I think they could be a top team in this league, even without Greg Marshall. You know, Isaac Brown is the interim coach. He seems to be doing an awesome job for them. So I am super excited for this game. Very, very pumped to watch it. Um, Let me check the channel on that one. So that game is at 6 p.m. and it is on ESPN+. Plus. So tune in if you have it. If you don't have it, sign up. Uh, It's five bucks a month. Definitely worth watching, obviously. Wichita State, always a fun one to watch. Uh, did you have anything to add on Wichita before we move to Memphis, Matt? Uh, nothing that other than this is a beer 
tier uh, beer. Wow. <laughs> Uh, nothing other than that this is a B-tier win opportunity, which, I mean, this stretch of six games that we're in is either all of them are either A or Bs. Uh, okay, so on to Memphis. That's on Saturday the 17th. We play them at 2 p.m. That's also on ESPN+. Plus. That is a bummer. Two games in a row like that. And also USF was on ESPN+. Plus. Man, we've got to get back on an actual network here. But uh, ESPN+, Plus, regardless, so now you have two reasons to sign up for that this week. Um, Memphis. Six and four, two and one in the conference. I have yet to watch a Memphis game. I even missed our first game against them, so I still haven't watched them in person this year. Have you gotten to see any of them? I watched uh, the second half of that game, uh, our game against them. But I mean, they haven't played since since they played us. They beat South Florida, and then they have not played. Oh, wow! <laughs> their their last game was December 29th. Weird. Are they? Uh... They have some COVID issues going on. That 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 would be my guess, but I mean, I have no idea because it's there was eight days between our game and the South Florida game, and then you've got two plus weeks before they're playing SMU later this week. Interesting. Okay, so ooh, so they could be a little rusty. I guess they are playing, like you said, SMU before us, so they will have a warm up game uh, coming off a big break. But interesting to note there that they haven't played in a while. I didn't catch that. Interesting stuff. Um, okay. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about them. So number 67 in Ken Palm. And uh, we, are, like I mentioned, already played them once. We beat them at their place, 56 to 49. And pretty interesting season for them, right? Six and four. I think they were picked to finish third in the conference, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, a lot of talent on that team, as there always is. But as seems to be forming a tradition for Penny Hardaway, underperforming relative to the talent level on the team. Uh, their best players, Landers Noli is their leading scorer on the season so far, which I never would have guessed coming in. He's a sophomore, uh, a junior, Alex Lomax, who we played against a few times now, uh, leads them in assists and steals. I'm pretty sure Lomax was the guy who originally was going to Wichita. And then when Penny got the job, he transferred to Memphis to join him. Cause I think Memphis was his AAU coach in high school. Um, so he continues to be a solid performer for them. Um, the other guy to keep an eye on is this freshman Musa Cisse, and he leads them in rebounds and blocks. I mentioned him because he was the preseason rookie of the year choice, and he certainly seems to be living up to that uh, billing so far. So keep an eye on Musa Cisse, and definitely, I don't know, man. Like Memphis has been so weird. Like I mentioned, I haven't gotten to watch a ton of them yet this year. Um, I think I've watched one of their away games, and I don't even remember how that one went. So. I don't know. Like, it'll be weird. It just seems like they're not as good as people always think they're going to be under Penny Hardaway. So I'm really hoping we can get the second one in a row, especially with this one being at home. Um, but they certainly have some talent, like DJ Jeffries, uh, Boogie Ellis. Like, they they have talent, no doubt. Um, just seem to be underperforming for whatever reason. Yeah. And, I mean, they don't really have any good quality win. Like, yeah. So they have their win against St. Mary's to open the season. But then, like – their other wins are Arkansas State, Central Arkansas, Mississippi Valley. And between those three, <laughs> the average Ken Palm is like 275. Um, and so, like, they won those games by 20-plus points, roughly. But then they beat Tulane by six points. Tulane's 193. <laughs> yeah. And then they beat South Florida, which is a good win, mm-hmm. but by a point right. at home. At home, yeah. Wow, you're right. Yeah, so they've got the St. Mary's win, and then all of their other tier B wins are lost, or tier B games are losses aside from St. Mary's, and their best win aside from that St. Mary's win is USF. 
it'll be interesting. I'm like, I'm, I'm excited to watch this game, particularly mostly because I haven't watched a lot of Memphis this year and I got to figure out what the deal is over there. And maybe this will give me some hint into it. I'm sure I could read about it online, but I don't have any real interest in reading about Memphis basketball. I'd rather just watch us play them. So I will do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those are, those will be, I mean, they're big ones, right? Both are top 100 Ken Palm teams, both, you know, high caliber teams in the league, both picked to finish above us. Uh, and we've played them both once already. So I right, know Wichita State was picked to finish sixth my, or seventh, my mistake. Um, cool. So that's this week. Let us uh, switch around a little bit. We'll take a quick look around the conference. What happened, what happened last week? Um, so the biggest game probably uh, was Houston playing Wichita State. So Houston played Wichita at home and ended up beating them 70 to 63 in what was a pretty pretty close game most of that game um but houston escapes with the win and i I don't know if i would say really escapes with the win but regardless uh a huge game for them and a huge game for the conference in general because wichita had been on fire like i mentioned coming off that big win on the road against all miss and uh, Tyson Etienne had 25 points in that game against Houston. So definitely that guy can get it done. Um, Caleb Mills, I, like we mentioned last week for Houston is, uh, not playing for the time being, not sure how long he's going to be out, but, um, they're playing without the preseason player of the year over on the team. So their leading scorer, I think is going to turn into Quentin Grimes, but they have a lot of other talents on there. Dejan Giroux, Marcus Sasser, uh, awesome ballers over there. So we'll see what happens with them. Um, the other kind of notable games there, Cincinnati beat SMU, and that game was uh, 76 to 69. That was on the road for Cincinnati at SMU. And let's see, we have two minutes left. Got to wrap up. Uh, and then South Florida played ECU, and ECU was like 7-1, and one, right? Had played a bunch of cupcakes, so everybody is waiting to see if they were legit or not. Um, UCF beat them on the road, 69 to 63. So I still think East Carolina will be near the bottom of the conference this year, despite having a, a pretty good record so far. Um, not looking like they're going to be able to get it done early, at least against some decent teams in the American. Um, okay. So bam, that flew by. So we're already basically at 30 minutes. Uh, anything you want to bring up before we close this one out, Matt? Uh, just a quick question that I have for you. Um, do you think that 2020 2020- slash 2021 could be the most successful TU sports season for football basketball that we've had in a while? Ooh, okay. Good question. So let me think here. Me and you came to TU in 2013. I had some rough years in football during that time. And then we've had some rough years in football (laughs) since graduating, basically until this year. Uh, Yeah, so it's close. I think probably 2016 would would battle for that uh, since 2013, at least, in the American Conference era. Um. 2016 was the season that football was 10 and three and went to the, I think it was the Miami beach ball and beat central Michigan by like 35 or something. And then, or maybe it was more than that. Maybe it was like 40. It was like 56 to 10. Was it 46 points? I don't remember what the score was there. Yeah. It was, it was a blowout. Yeah. So that happened in football and then basketball, we went to the NCAA tournament uh, with Shaq Harrison and James Woodard and those guys. So um, that's, Oh boy. I mean that, that one, that year, was probably more fun because we could like go to the games and stuff. <laughs> but uh, this year certainly is off to a really hot start playing in the conference championship in football and then off to a really good start in basketball. So good question. I, I think I'd probably put 2016 above it in terms of fun so far, just because, you know, getting to go to the games and a 10 win season and a, and a ball win 
is a better win, a better end for football than losing your last game and then a brawl that kind of puts a, a tamper on things. Um, but basketball certainly is up there with last year, with 2016 as well, with making, you know, co co champs of the conference and an outside shot at the NCAA tournament, just like we had in 2016. So yeah, my only, uh, I guess it, it kind of depends how you, like, do you include the basketball and football the same? Because I mean, if you go football, it would have been 2017. Uh, like 2016, 17 would be the basketball year for that uh, kind of locked in, right? Oh, uh, well, let me. So 2016 so, football so that year, to 2016, that, 17. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I was and thinking so about got, it backwards. Yeah, that's when we lost to Cincinnati, got blown out like 80 61 in the conference tournament. Not a. Te- I mean, we were not great. We were 15 17 in basketball <laughs> that year. Yeah. So we had like two good years of basketball and uh, football, kind of back to back, but not technically in the same. Yeah. Uh, wow, you're right. I totally had that year. mixed up. Ugh. Well, I'm going to count that as the same year because it. Does, is it isn't really, but I mean, it's close enough. Uh, I'll, right. get, I'll give it to me here. Okay. <laughs> but certainly a good year this this past season for football and basketball so far. Yeah. And so I, uh, I'll pose that same question. So to, to all our listeners, Ryan and I looked at this, you know, kind of specifically since, you know, we've been around to you. But I mean, what would other people consider? Is this the best? What, could this be the best? Or is there, I mean, obviously I would say like, most people are probably going to point to the nineties when we were amazing at basketball, but I'm just curious what everybody else has to say. Yeah, it's a good question. Please let us know if you have uh, some thoughts on what the, uh, what the status of that is. Like if you think this is one of the best years in a long time, I also just to give a little addendum to that, right. I know we're probably going over 30 minutes, maybe not. I don't know. Um, the women's basketball team is also doing really well. Like, let me look up there. Or at least it seems like there. Let me look up there. So they're three and three, and I mean that's better than they. <laughs> they've been pretty bottom tier uh, of the conference for a bit, but they are on a two-game win streak, coming off wins over Cincinnati and Memphis. So good for them. Hopefully they keep that streak alive, keep going. Um, and who knows? Maybe the Tulsa women's basketball team will surprise some people. I know they started off the year with that huge win at Oklahoma State, and that's always a good thing. Uh, we'll close it there. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe to it, share it on Twitter, tell a friend, all that stuff. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to support us, you can find a couple ways to do that on our website. That is thegoldenhurricast.com, and you can hit the support button in the top right to find that, or just go straight to thegoldenhurricast.com slash support. And finally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at goldenhurricast, or you can send us an email, and that email address is thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Stay golden.